Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. And today is kind of a fun episode. Um, hopefully you'll think it is as fun as we do. Um, but we are going to take a look at one of my, I'm going to call it my favorite quotes or um, business to live by, which is change is inevitable and growth is optional. We probably should have looked up the attribution so that we knew who said it initially. <laughs> We're quoting somebody. We just don't know it is, who it is. I'm going to guess it's, based on statistics, it's probably an older white guy. <laughs> um, well, it's definitely on lots of posters. So... Um... <laughs> And so part of the reason that we were um, sparked to have this conversation, first of all, if you don't know, uh, tomorrow is chocolate mint day. And when Carrie and I think chocolate mints, uh, I don't know about you all, but we immediately go to Thin Mints because I'm sure sometime in the last year you have figured out that we have been Girl Scouts and Girl Scout leaders and have Girl Scout daughters. Yes, we're, we're right? very Girl Scouty. <laughs> we believe in being prepared when you have a hard time getting your kids to be motivated by something, we find badge work to work really well. Um, Kate even used it with her boys. They just didn't know it was Girl Scout activities. (laughs) (laughs) They might listen someday. So, um, and this has definitely been a year of change, right? So we're at 11, a little over 11 months of probably everything about your business model changing. And uh, because it is Chocolate Mint Day, we thought we'd also give a quick nod out to Girl Scouts and uh, all those cookie sellers that are running around your neighborhood or usually are running around your neighborhood. And, you know, usually are hanging out in front of your, you know, pharmacy or your grocery store this time of the year. Um, at least here in the South, (laughs) I think some of the Northern states, their cookie season's a little later, but for us here in the South, this is prime cookie time. Well, actually we're pretty close. So actually in about a week and a half is going to be National Girl Scout Cookie Weekend. And, uh, there are some Northern states like really, really, really North that actually do their cookie sales in the fall, but they also had the same problem, right? So the way Girl Scouts have always sold cookies for over a hundred years has definitely had to change with COVID. And just like your business is having to change as a result of COVID. So let's talk a little bit about um, maybe how Girl Scouts have changed their business model or different girls have changed their business model. And then I wanna talk a little bit about how you as a child care program, uh, how you may have changed your business model, uh, what you're doing to prepare for growth and kind of yeah, I go mean, back and forth with that. What do you think? I think that, you know, centers have wrestled with the whole, do we do some virtual schooling when we're closed for COVID? For some programs, they jumped right into it and they love it. Um, and other programs are like, no, uh, that's just not a thing. Um, but you know, we have to think through that this has happened to kids in all of their realms of their life, right? If they were scouts or they were in 4-H or any of that, the same thing was happening. Are they still having in-person scout meetings for those school age kids? 
Are they still nope. being able to go to 4-H meetings? I mean, a lot of that nope. has been <laughs> sidelined and looking at which people have done it successfully um, and which haven't, like the troop that, you know, my girls graduated out of and that, you know, your daughter is still in, have done some in-person distant activities, but almost everything has been, you know, Zoom meetings or similar, right? And absolutely, absolutely. You've got some kids who are totally down for that, and but we've seen a lot of drop off in participation. Well, what's interesting is we've seen a lot of drop off for participation from the girls who the face to face was what they loved. For the girls who have been very busy with sports and band and other extracurricular activities, we've had the opposite um, happen. They've been more involved. They've actually looked for. Uh, virtual Girl Scout programming that they can participate in across the country. So it really depends on what other activities that girl has and how and why they are in Girl Scouting. So if somebody is there to learn something new or they want to try something, they have a tendency to continue to find those great opportunities that have been put out. Um, There are 111 Girl Scout councils across the U.S., and even internationally, and all of those programs, the international programs, the state level, city level programs, are all creating virtual programming, some much better than others, <laughs> some free, some sponsored by businesses. Yeah, just, uh, like, right. just like the child care centers. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is a great opportunity for child care centers to see if they are meeting a need. Uh, I know that we have a program that we um, have worked with that very early on started virtual story time. And um, I actually haven't talked to them. Have you talked to them to see if they've continued virtual story time? Um, I haven't talked to them in the past month. Um, I mean, about that. <laughs> um, I chatted, <laughs> we, we texted back and forth about something completely different. It was a staffing issue. Um, she was having to but do staffing is, yeah, staffing's a great example too. Like we know there are going to be businesses across the country that literally are going to totally eliminate the, uh, the face-to-face offices, they're going to be going to a much different business model, which for a lot of businesses will save them a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, but our but our parents at home need something. So this is where, this is a great opportunity for your program to start to think outside of the box of how do you support the parents who are working from home who normally had been part of your full-time childcare, but now they're trying to wrestle with whether or not they need full-time childcare. Yeah, I really think that programs that run more along the lines of Mother's Day Out hours um, are going to be more needed, um, as opposed to our traditional part-time of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday. I think having more more centers should look at the... You need to arrive by nine and pick up by three type of part time, because I think parents who are working from home, they need some hours of the day where there's not a whole lot of where there's not interruption, but they don't feel like their kids should be in childcare for 10 hours a day if they're just working from home. Absolutely. You may also be a program that starts to explore uh, offering 
I don't really want to call it a nanny service, but that kind of service where perhaps your staff go out uh, one or two days a week to client houses to do miniature pods. They still work for you. They still maybe use some of your materials. Uh, again, I'm brainstorming because everybody's going to be a little different about what they can do, what they're comfortable with, what their staff are comfortable with. Well, and But you need to start to explore what are your communities going to need. Well, and the... Oh, goodness. I can't remember the name of the program. The program that um, does basically two-hour preschool in parks. Uh Um, I think that's another, you know, I thought that people should be doing that early on in the pandemic. And as the pandemic was raging, more people are getting vaccinated. So maybe it's not as needed. But there is still a need because there are so many parents who don't know what to do with their kids on a playground. Um, they don't know how to foster that open-ended play, you know, by just bringing out some tree stumps or, you know, tires for the kids to play on and flip and, you know, do gross motor activities with, you know, they're telling their kids to stay away from those elements in a park. And a teacher is like, no, 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 this is good. (laughs) This helps with developing proximal development and all those kinds of things prospio i can't say that one the thing where you figure out where your body is in space what's that well the other thing to think about is that we've also got you know traditionally right we've all thought of um our programs as being you know if we had after school if we had school age children it was after three o'clock and um, that was the only time we had them right so we never thought about any other options so uh, programs that uh, opened up their their lunch rooms or maybe some other indoor space for school-agers to be able to come in virtual school. Um, I really don't see that going away. So um, if you have ever thought about doing pods and you haven't quite figured out how to make that work in your center, uh, it's something I think you need to be exploring because, again, Our goal here is to help you remember that change is going to happen. You get to choose as a business whether you're going to grow with it or close with it. And we don't want you to close because your customers are still there. Your customers and the kids, uh, they need something that looks like normal. And even if that normal is a couple of days a week, a couple of hours every day, Another element of change that has happened in various areas around the country and, you know, um, maybe happening at the federal level is basically doubling the minimum wage, (laughs) taking the minimum wage up to $15 an hour. And I've seen a lot of panic online (laughs) about my center is going to close if I have to pay my staff double. But all the childcare in San Francisco did not go away when they increased the minimum wage to $15 an hour. So the question is, how do we learn from those programs in areas where this has already happened? What did those centers do to be able to continue to provide quality care when their payroll expenses, you know, went up 50% or doubled? What did those programs do? That is a change that is inevitable. At some point, minimum wage is going to go up where you are. (laughs) It's not always going to be, you know, where it is now. And you've got to look at, um, well, you don't have to, but if you want to grow, (laughs) 
it's a good idea to look at what has happened in other centers in areas where this has already happened. You know, we had to do the same thing when, when, you know, manufacturing moves out of a town. Okay, well, go look at another chi- a child care program in a town where that's already happened. How did they adjust? Yeah, so definitely start. Yeah, and there's no reason you have to wait till you're federally mandated to start increasing your pay um, and having those conversations with parents. Uh, you know it's coming, right? So this is not a surprise. So don't act like it. Yeah, it's so, been, um, what, and, more and, than 10 years, like 15, 20 years since minimum wage went up? Guys, come on. And there are <laughs> states that have put in legislation. And the states that have put in legislation, it's been gradual. So don't try to double your staff's salary. Don't try to double the tuition right now. Give everybody a raise and raise tuition a little bit. Um, Or like Carrie talked about, go to um, maybe shorter work days, shorter hours. You may need to really evaluate things like your lease and the amount of space that you have. Uh, This is a great opportunity for you as a business to not only look at your business model, um, but if you are somebody who relied heavily on a specific business that has the, the, like you have a major employer and that major employer has changed how their people are going to work. Um, This is where programs in certain parts of states and cities are definitely going to move where you're going to have, you know, perhaps those bedroom communities only had a few childcare. If everybody's working from home in that community, (laughs) now you need a different type of model, right? You need more, but you need more part-time. Well, and you need it to be near the neighborhoods as opposed to near the working area. So So, if you, if you maybe had a a huge center with, you know, 250 kids on a main thoroughfare, it might be worthwhile to look at getting a second location that has a smaller capacity. And, and that may end up, and that may end up being your primary. I think this is a, I just think it's a great opportunity. Hopefully during the last year, nobody has signed brand new extended facility leases, um, it's definitely worth looking at, at at everything from what is the cost to break the lease to when does the lease end? Uh, is there Does your lease have the ability to, to sublet? Do you have the ability to put up some walls and put in a second business that could use your space? Uh, so again, thinking outside of the box, uh, especially if you think that a lot of people come to you because of your location, think about what's around you and is that location changed? Um, are people still coming there? Uh, what does this mean from a marketing standpoint? Do you have to change how you market because people are no longer driving by your program? Yeah, there's a lot less driving <laughs> over the past year. Yeah, there's a lot less driving. So where are you going to find them? Where are they? So And, and a good way to find out a lot of this is to be surveying your current clients. If you're not doing a parent survey at least once a year, you are leaving money on the table. You've got to do that at least once a year. That's best practice. And right now, you could even think about doing some virtual focus groups with parents You can talk to the parents about not only what's currently going on, but have they heard any rumors about their, their, their employer? Yeah. Um, And sometimes it works better when you're doing those surveys or focus groups to have someone who is not directly associated with the center be the one collecting that data. So hiring, you know, 
a, a college student who is now doing college from home <laughs> that is in your general sphere but doesn't have your last name. <laughs> have them run the focus group or send out the survey. Um, so they can be more honest because they're not going to be hurting your feelings. Not only that, you may be you may be a really bad poker player. And if you're sitting in doing face-to-face or a focus group with your parents and somebody tells you something like, oh, yeah, I heard the rumor that our employer is going to shut its doors. If you didn't hear this before, you may not know how you're going to respond. <laughs> so, um, like, I, I'm really... Um, I, I can be a good poker player if I'm prepared. Uh, that may be something that might throw me, and you may be able to really tell off my face how I feel about that kind of news. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's important to look at the opportunities that change provides. Kate and I Absolutely. are entrepreneurs primarily. That is the way our brains work. We are always looking for opportunities to grow and shift. We know not everybody is like that, but change is happening. Our economy is fundamentally changed from where it was in January of 2020. We're asking you to take a moment and see what you need to pivot if Marie, Kate's daughter, could move from selling all of her Girl Scout cookies primarily at Boots and selling whatever it was last year, 3,500 boxes <laughs> through sitting in front of your local Walgreens to doing online virtual parties like a pampered chef party, but for cookies and still moving hundreds and hundreds, well, let's let's be honest, thousands of cookies Every child care center can find ways to pivot. Who knew that you could sell Girl Scout cookies through a Facebook group? I mean, come on. Nobody would have thought of that in January of 2020. <laughs> that is true. So this is also a great opportunity. And I know that we have done, um, I'm going to have to go back and look at the episode and maybe Carrie will remember to post it in the comments because I'm going to mention it and she'll go look it up. But we did an episode where Carrie talked a lot about how she would uh, kind of do staff evaluations and she'd get their feedback about their goals. This is a great opportunity for you to decide and to reflect on your own personal professional goals, uh, to have some real heart to hearts with your staff. You know, if you've always dreamt of writing a book, this might be the time to do that. Uh, if that is a staff, great, you've always oh, wanted to. That is a great to, way to get to, people to come into your center is you send them a free ebook that you have written about what makes your business different. I got to say, absolutely. That, that's a marketing gold right there. Or if you want to write children's books and maybe you find out you have staff who are awesome artists. I mean, what a great thing that you could do is right now, you know, you probably have some, um, some different time. I'm not going to say extra time, but time that you can allocate differently that perhaps you're writing the book and you've got a couple of staff that, that illustrate it. And now your center has produced an awesome product that could be a real stepping stone for your staff. So Definitely look at your staff, how many staff have to be full-time, um, like to run the program, not they want full-time because of whatever. Right. Um, so I would remember that not everybody offers benefits at 40 hours. So um, there are places that offer full-time benefits at 30 or 35. 
it might be worth it for you to look at, again, shifting your business model. Carrie talked about it earlier, a little bit about changing maybe how your hours work. And so with that, you might change how the staffing looks. And you don't necessarily change your tuition rates. I went back and the goal setting episode was episode 45. Okay. <laughs> so episode 35. 45. And, um, Four. Huh? Four or five. Four or five. Okay. <laughs> but we really want you to, to use this time to think about uh, everything from your building size and leases to how do you have to market now to Carrie's favorite staff conversations. Um, and, you know, is this an opportunity for you to do something totally innovative with how your business works. And like I said, maybe it is you provide professional nannies or you provide teachers who go out on a concierge, you know, preschool component where they work with three kids two days a week. Um, there's, there's definitely some things that are happening around the country that are, are different, uh, that people are charging good money for. And, uh, you know, Think about yeah. what does that model look like in your world, in your community? I think that more centers should look at the preschool in a box. We send you a box home every week and it has the craft supplies and it has activity plans and all of that. Uh, there are programs who are making good bank by doing that. Um, and absolutely, it doesn't and, cost a and whole especially lot. Especially if you follow that up with, especially if you follow that up with, uh, you know, maybe twice a week story time, checking in with the kids three days a week, um, being there as a resource to the parents. And you can incorporate what's on PBS because PBS will tell you what they're going to be teaching in their different program. I mean, you could do a lot with it, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. Absolutely. So. Um, especially if you're a program that just based on the community, you've had to um, unfortunately close your doors, but yet you still have a lot of materials. You have teachers who you think would be uh, available or interested because they're currently unemployed. Um, it doesn't mean, and especially if you've got a reputation and a name that the community can trust, uh, this is where you can leverage all of that. So if you need some ideas or you need some help, Seriously, pick up the phone, give Carrie a call, give me a call, give Carrie and I a call. We can brainstorm with you. Uh, Carrie does awesome consulting with helping people uh, restructure their programs. So, um, you know, all Texas director, colorful clipboard, we are here for you. And um, hopefully you'll come back and join us next week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.